Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world premiere episode of He's on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. Uh, I've got a lot we want to get into today, and I've put in a lot of time and work into this. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, first off, we are very fortunate to be joined by the one and only Joe Healy from Devil's Digest and Speak of the Devil's podcast. Uh, we're gonna get in. Go. Uh, we're gonna get into the Arizona State opening game versus Southern Utah tomorrow night, and it is damn good for college football to be back because last season did not count. Uh, we're going to talk about the season outlook for the Devils, go uh, through the roster breakdown, and we're going to have a lot of fun with Joe. But later, my co-hosts are also going to join me. Uh, Amit and Jay are going to come on. We're going to talk about Malcolm Butler's retirement, of course. Some updated news on your Western Conference champion Phoenix Suns. But let's get into it. Welcome to He's on Fire podcast. Let's go. I get hype whenever I hear that, so I hope everybody here does. But thank you again for coming in to He's on Fire podcast. I uh, hope you like the intro video and the music, but please like, subscribe, share this podcast out. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and please visit Anchor and donate to the podcast. We really appreciate it. But first and foremost, I'd like to welcome our very first guest on to the podcast, Mr. Joe Healy from Speak of the Devils podcast, one of my absolute favorites, and Devils Digest. Joe, how's it going, my man? My man, I'm doing well. We're on the eve of college football here for ASU, and I'm hyped, man, watching those videos, dude. That got my blood flowing, so I was, I was already at like a 10 or 11. You're pushing me up into the stratosphere now, so I'm fired up right for this. Game day eve. It did not count last year. What is your excitement level going in for the Devils this year against Southern Utah to start with tomorrow? It, it, it almost doesn't even feel real. You know, it, it seems like it's been so long. That Territorial Cup game in November of 2019, the last home game, that seems so long ago. Obviously, a lot has wow. happened in everybody's lives to where, it, I mean, the, the world just took a long time to revolve since the, you know, the late uh, point of the 2019 calendar year. Uh, so it's great to get back going. Obviously, very high expectations for ASU. You know, the fans are ready. This team is loaded. Of course, there are some things going on outside the program that, you know, we certainly can't avoid. But I tell you what, these players are focused. I know that much. And that the coaches are going to get them ready to play. So no better time to get on the field. I think that's the most important thing is these guys just need to get out on the field. Stop hitting each other. Stop worrying about reading these headlines about outside stuff. Just focus on what they do best. Facts. Facts. And one of the more exciting things of the uh, offseason actually came yesterday to me. That gold jersey. That gold jersey is just an absolute work of art. I don't understand people that don't like it. And I saw you tweeting about it yesterday. Your thoughts on the gold jersey? Hype? Yes. 
Man, oh, yo, dude, it's awesome. And it's wild because, like, I get that superstition is a thing and it's definitely a thing for Sun Devil fans. But, you know, folks are harping back to games played about 30 years ago. Uh, no kidding about why they don't want to see gold jerseys, this whole debacle that happened in games against the U of A, that sort of thing. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's an awesome look. It's a its a real solid look. I, I like I like how it's going to look on the players because uh, I was talking with a buddy of mine and you see like uh, people who are going to fans are going to wear it. The sleeves will yeah. be a little longer. Of course, I think it's a maroon sleeve with a gold jersey. I think when that's a little tighter on the players, that's a good look. But yeah, no, the the, the modeling that was done and I could care less if the dude's shirt was untucked underneath. Give me a break. <laughs> people find a reason just to complain about anything. I don't know how you can't be happy with a football game to be played, you know, in a day. But yeah, no, that's a that's a home run, and that's something that you know my my good buddies over at Cactus Sports are going to be selling a lot of those. I think they're already uh, running out on some of the pre orders and things like that, which you love to see. But right. that's going to be a good look. They got that going on for Colorado uh, with the Sparky helmet. Can't forget that part, and uh, you can see in the background that's that's beautiful. Uh, little gift that uh, Coach Edwards gave me last year for hosting the, the pep rallies through the Alumni Association. So I'm, I'm a sparky guy. That's what I grew up with. So, yeah, no, that's an A-plus look to me. Absolutely. And I did see that tomorrow's uniforms, the center stripe is returning, and I'm hoping it's full time. I've missed the center stripe on all of our helmets. I think it looks naked without it. But is Cactus Sports ready ready to go? Because I tried to go on yesterday or last night, I should say. I didn't find it on there, especially the new uh, shirt with like the, the logo on it with the star in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? That gold shirt that they were advertising. Didn't see okay. that. So, so hopefully it's we'll have to see. Yeah, I'll give my. I know. I know my guy Troy. He's going with the owner there. He was saying to give me a heads up about the the jersey because that was kind of like the worst kept secret for a while yeah. is that that was going to be released. So those folks were, you know, there there was some preparation there. I guess you could say. So he was telling me that that was going to go live last night as far as the pre orders for the jersey. I'm not sure about other sort of things, but I know those those folks always stay stocked, especially this time of year. They got to be ready. This is you know what he's been waiting for because you know he's a small business owner and just like a lot of folks. And I, and I can feel for this, you know, a lot of folks in the area, a lot of folks across the country, you know, they're, they're ready to get back to normal life so they can, you know, take advantage of their opportunity to, to be successful. And that's something that all these businesses that focus on ASU athletics, specifically ASU football, getting that back in their lives. I mean, you're helping people put food on their tables. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I've been a big fan of Cactus Sports. I do live in Utah, but anytime I go back to Phoenix, I always make sure I stop there. Uh, every time me and Salty go out, uh, we're getting a hat or, or some shirt or something like that. And I haven't been out there in two and a half years. So I got to get out there soon. But we need to talk about this year's Sun Devils. And I've heard everything that you and Brad have talked to or talked about. And I am particularly high on the Sun Devils this year, man. I am so high on them. I think they're going to win the Pac-12 South. I think okay. they are potentially Pac-12 champions. But I need you to fill in the blank for me here, Joe. The Arizona State Sun Devils will win the Pac-12 championship if. If they can exercise some demons. Uh, team for team, on the regular season schedule that ASU has, there's no team that I feel has top-to-bottom talent that compares to ASU, and that includes USC and Utah and even in Washington. ASU doesn't play Oregon in the regular season. If they did, you know that would be a tougher matchup. Uh, ASU has had this weird thing, and it's – Dated back beyond Herm Edwards, and it's just the chaos of being a Sun Devil fan. But, I mean, think about the last couple of years. You know, you have these upset when you beat Oregon, 
And, you know, the year before, you, you, you beat the brakes really off Utah here in Sun Devil Stadium in, in Herm Edwards' first year, even though Utah ended up winning the, the, the division. But then you also lose, you lose consecutive games to Colorado. You lose to UCLA. You lose to Oregon State. I mean, it's this up and down nature. So you need to exercise the demons of the tendency to play to the level of the opponent. Uh, a, a number that I pulled out, which is crazy, is, you know, Herm Edwards has the two, and I love the guy, he has the two highest totals of one score games that ASU has had, I think, at least in the last 40 or 50 years. ASU's had 19 one-score games in the 30 games that he's coached. That's pretty insane. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you can say that on a good level, okay, yeah, they're being competitive, which is which is true, but you're also letting some other teams hang around because there have been one-score games against teams that should not be within one score of ASU. Um, so that just really, you can sum that up of playing the level of the opponent. They, they get up for some of the big teams, but they let things you know simmer down for, for some of the, the lower teams, and it, you see that especially on the road. And so that gets me concerned. I don't know what UCLA is all about this year. I'm not going to – I mean, they thumped Todd Graham in Hawaii, but I, I, I think they'll be better than they have been. I'm just not – I'm not sold on them being like a, you know, nine-win-plus team that could contend for the division, but they'll, they'll be better than they were. You know, obviously, when you look at that schedule and you see a late November game in Corvallis, Oregon against Oregon uh, State, again. that gives you like this – you know, it seems like it's every year. It's like death taxes and a November game at Corvallis. Yep. So, you know, it kind of gives you this feeling in your gut. We always we have these flashbacks to 2014 and that nightmare. So, again, you got to take care of business, not play to the level of the opponent. Uh, it, it'd be wonderful to see, you know, just some some games that were kind of like, you know, 2013 when ASU made the run and won the South Division that year. They had that chunk of time in October and November where they were dropping 50-plus on, on people with regularity. Look back, and if you remember, that's mm-hmm. what was happening. Um, if you can do something like that, and I think the offense, even if there are questions at wide receiver, the running game and Jaden Daniels, they can put up 40-plus points against a lot of these teams. So it really just comes down to you know execution and, and taking care of business. Exercising the demons. That is the perfect way to put it because anytime I go into an Arizona State game, I get hype, I get excited, and then wait, we're on the road. Shit, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I get so excited for this team and they put up this amazing performance and then they do shit the bed next time, unfortunately. And I hate to describe it like that, but that's what has consistently happened. But the Herm, era, Herm Edwards era has definitely come around. We're that grounded, pounded team. As you said, the stat that you just gave out, we're going to have low-scoring games, but then we bring in Zach Hill. So now he's trying to maneuver and change some things in Herm Edwards, and we did not get to see the offense last year. We just didn't. Nobody on the team was able to stay there for longer than three or four weeks, it sounded. Everybody was going in COVID protocol at some time. They've had the offseason. I think they're going to come out guns a-blazing, but I agree with you with what you said on Speak of the Devil's podcast where I could definitely see Jaden Daniels coming out and throwing like 150 or 200 yards tomorrow and the ground game just absolutely taking over. But that kind of leads me to my next uh, question for you. Offense, everything is looking like it's going to be bang, bang, go fast, maybe a little return of the uh, running gun style. Our wide receivers... We don't really have anybody coming in that's going to be 100% capable of filling the shoes of a Nikhil Harry, of those guys that we've put into the draft. But that's not even the concern for me. For me, it's the offensive line, and it comes with Donovan West in the middle. 
the center position is so vital, and I'd love to talk to Kyle Murphy about this. When that snap is off, man, it just throws the whole playoff. Everything is just jumbled from there. And we saw what it did, was it two years ago, uh, Jaden Daniels' first year, when every play it just seemed like that snap was low, that snap was high. From what you are hearing, what you're seeing in camp, is that a legitimate thing to worry about at center? Or am I just nitpicking at this point? It's it's a valid point because, yeah, that was – you think back to Jane Daniels, the early games of his true freshman season, uh, that was with Donovan West. They're, they're in the same class yeah. there, right? So uh, he was at center the first few games. They had Cole Cabral, I believe, at tackle, uh, and then they switched that up because there were some snapping issues. Now, you know, throwing a true freshman center out there – is a it's a that's a tough task for any player to handle at this level. So I there have been reports of there being some snapping issues. I think if it were a bigger deal, like a viable, legitimate concern of maybe we got to consider somebody else in the role, I think more folks would be talking about it. It's kind of like a no news is good news situation to me, where uh, you know some folks are, are mentioning it, and it might be one of those like self fulfilling prophecies to where people might want to push that narrative of, Hey, when he played center before he had some bad snaps. So, you know, if, if he does one, maybe they blow it out of proportion, who knows if that's the truth. But again, I, I think it's something that hasn't been quite as big a deal because we're talking about Donovan West, who is one of the most talented offensive linemen in the entire conference. Uh, you know, if, if he happens to stay at that first team, all conference level, like he was a year ago, he'll be the one of few Sun Devils in the PAC 10 or PAC 12 era to do that. I mean, if you look at the data, there haven't been a lot of two-time first-team all-conference players. You're talking about the Juan Roques and the Randall McDaniels of the world. You're really on that like top-of-the-list type of player. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's in their caliber quite yet because those guys were, you know, those are ASU Hall of Fame caliber players. But Donovan West is really special. So, I think the game experience that he's had over the last few years is going to help him out. I, I think that general trust that he has in himself, the comfort level. Again, we're talking about a true freshman stepping into a center role and, 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 you know, that's, that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. So it's kind of understandable. There could be some issues. So I'm not terribly worried about that, but we'll see what happens when the, the bullets are live because yeah, if that issue is there, then you got to figure things out. And if you're doing that, then, you know, you might be looking at a Jarrett Bell coming in at center or moving somebody around that's already at a different spot of the starting line. So that's not a domino you want to fall, especially early in the season. I completely agree. And then a lot of people are going to say the wide receivers that we've already kind of touched on, but I did some studying and I watched some of Boise State Zach Hill offense. And it seems to me like we really don't need that quote unquote stud receiver that we're really just going to spread the ball around the field. Do you get that feeling, that inkling that we don't need or have that stud receiver, but we've got four or five, six guys that can step in and catch a ball and get some yak yards? Yeah, I mean, they definitely don't have a proven wide receiver. I mean, the most proven player is Brian Thompson, the transfer from Utah, who has like Frank Darby type of stuff. Now, he could be a player. I know that the the folks at Utah, some of the writers and things like that, you know, kind of frustrated for the program to have lost him. So there's some potential there, downfield target there. Uh, so they don't have that. And, yeah, I don't think that they need that. Um, I, I really like Ricky Pearsall. I think mm -hmm. he's just kind of one of those glue guys. He's going to have a role in this offense doing a variety of things. And then you have LV Bunkley, Shelton, Johnny Wilson, ones that have that, that, uh, you know, high profile as well. So um, yeah, they're, they're going to go a couple deep, you know, at each of the positions, get some guys running out there. So they just need to execute. Um, you know, I, I would be shocked personally, if we see a wide receiver catch 50 or more passes. Yeah. You're not going to see that Nikhil Harry, you know, 80 reception type of stuff. 
Uh, but you could see, you know, three or four guys that are in that 40 catch mark uh, and, and making an impact with, and, and with this run game, that could be a good thing because whoever's open, whoever's got a good matchup, that can be the guy. And I'm excited and I'm here for it because I can't wait to dump it off to LV Bunkley Shelton for just a little quick screen. He can take it to the house. We got speed burners on the outside and Ricky Pearsall reminds me of Mickey Mitchell of ASU basketball, that glue guy. Yeah. That that is yeah. my that is what I thought of him. Just that glue guy that can kind of bring it all together. He's gonna run that seam route or he's gonna go across the middle for uh 10 to 15 yards. But the strength of this team, and it could be the defense. But to me, is that running back group, bro? That running back core, arguably, could be the best in Sun Devil history. Arguably, what do you think? I mean, when you think about it, and that's I, I'm on that boat right there because we've talked in the past on our show about you know the secondary getting all the hype, and I said that's not even going to be the best position group on the team. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it is really hard to come up with a comparison to this running back group if they hit their potential because. You know, if you think back, a lot of folks obviously can talk about 1996. Well, you know, J.R. Redmond, he made a lot of plays that year, but the numbers were not out of this world. It wasn't until, you know, his sophomore, junior, senior year that he was doing the thing that really made him famous at ASU. And then, you know, Michael Martin was playing, then he got hurt, and that's when Terry Battle came in. The point I'm making here is a lot of those guys were kind of in chunks. It wasn't really a thing where it was one, two, three playing together every single game, which is right. the kind of thing that you have here. You know, the others that I'll throw out there are, you know, that – Todd first few Todd Graham year thing, which included a few different players, you know, 2012, you had DJ Foster, Marion Grice, Cameron Marshall as a senior. Uh, and then you had, you know, 2014, you had DJ when he was in the full-time role as the starting tailback. And then uh, Demario Richard, Kalen Balazs is true freshman. But again, you talk about all of those and some of them you think about, well, that guy was really good later in his career. So you look at it and it's kind of like that picture of the, you know, the Alabama quarterbacks that are all NFL starters right now with, you know, Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts and, mm, and Mac yeah, Jones. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, Mac Jones wasn't doing a damn thing at that time in Alabama. So it's not like they were all slinging it together. Um, so that's what intrigues me so much is these guys are all going to be doing it at the same time. Uh, and, and I tell you, don't sell the goddess short because he got it quite a bit of run. I think all of his numbers from last year were in those, the, the third and fourth games. Of course, U of A game was an incredible, amazing blowout. Oregon State was relatively competitive, but he showed what he can do. Uh, so it's not just a two-man show. Rashad White, the closest comparison I can make is like a Marion Grice. It helps the Juco thing, kind of helps. It's just one of those guys that just seems so smooth. And it doesn't seem like he's going full speed. Like, it, it, it it's hard to really describe. Like, even that 93-yard touchdown he had against the U of A, like – as it was developed, it was like, man, that's a pretty nice game. That's a first down. Oh, that's a nice run. And then, he, you know, he's gone and for he's 90 gone. plus yards. You know, it's not like a, I don't know, a Keegan Herring or somebody that's just off to the races and dude's running a 4-2-40 and he's gone in a heartbeat. And then, you know, Chip train him. I, I love to see him run because, you know, Ryan Terrain is one of my favorite running backs that I've ever seen at ASU. And that's the closest comparison that I can find. Just somebody that will never be brought down for negative yardage or even on first contact. Like you're just always going to get something positive with him. Uh, I mean, the dude is an absolute beast. We're lucky to have him, I think, because he's from Ohio. A lot of Big Ten schools wanted him to play linebacker, and he could probably do that. But I'm sure there are a lot of schools in that region that are wishing they would have pushed a little harder at him to be a, a running back. But obviously, that's ASU's gain. So 
I mean, you have those players out there. And then, uh, you know, Ksatch, he's not – technically he works out with, like, the tight ends and H-backs. Hopefully they give him the ball a little bit. I think they'll throw it to him. But I got to give the fullback some love. I'm a fullback guy. Um, I, it's – I just don't know how you slow down or stop these guys because, I mean, Rashad White averaged 10 yards a carry – last year that's insane you know i mean i get that it's a small sample but it's still i think it might have been something like 442 for 420 or it was you know in the 40s i just don't know how you slow them down let alone stop them i mean it's 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 tough to put into work this is like 1970 stuff you probably got to go back to like you know the like woody green benny malone the, the danny white frank kush era to find anything even comparable and that's that's saying something and the thing that gets me most excited is I remember a few plays last year where we're in the pistol. Jaden Daniels obviously getting it right behind him. He's got Rashad White right next to him. He's got Case Hatch. And on the other side, he's got Chip. What are you going to do at that point, bro? Especially with that yeah. offensive line, right? And if we can get one or two receivers to be a threat, put fear in the other team, it just opens up everything. And when you've got those three guys back there, special things are going to happen this year. That's why I'm so high on them is, is really that NFL running back position that we have back there. Um, I'm glad you talked about case hatch Four touchdowns this year for the guy. I think I'm going to call four for him. How many do you think case hatch going to get? Give me that fullback love. I mean, I, I I'd love to see that. Uh, I mean, that's talking like one every three games or so. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say no. I, if you're going to put that out there, I'm not going to doubt it. I don't know if I'm going to go higher, but, but I like that. Um, so here's the thing is, are they going to, how are they going to be broken down? Because I could see him. I, Cause I don't even know if he's carried the ball yet at ASU. He's caught a few passes and looked pretty good doing it. Like he had that one reception from Borgay against mm-hmm. U of A that could have gone the distance. He had a nice one in the bowl game against uh, Florida state. So he can do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he, he flexes out the tight end a little bit too. He goes out right behind the tight end and he's done a few things there. I mean, blocking, but I could see them doing a few trick plays and all of a sudden Case Hatch is getting two touchdowns in a game. And that, well, that's another topic is, you know, I, I noticed Ethan Long is is the holder on the depth chart. And I'm, it's like wishful thinking because I really want to see that guy do some things that if he's the holder, they're going to run some kind of trick play at some point because he brings that to you in that position. So. Yeah, no, I would love to see uh, Hatch Hatch get get uh, you know get some love, get in the end zone a few times would be would be awesome. But he's gonna be he's gonna be a part of what goes on there, even if it's the unsung role of just being that blue collar fullback. He'll do that, but uh, you know they'll they'll, they'll the, those guys will let him cash in at some point. They're not just gonna have him block and and not get any recognition. Absolutely, and we need to turn it over to the defense now. Obviously, losing Jermaine Lole is is a huge blow. And I don't think anybody can understatement. Do we have the pieces that can fill in? Yeah. Can they step up to what Jermaine Lole did? Remains to be seen. They can. We have the talent to be able to. But does, is that now, the interior defensive, defensive line, is that now our weak point on the defense? You probably have to say so. And that's uh, as much a compliment to the rest of the defense as anything, because it's really hard to to pick at this defense. And yeah, for, for Lole to, you know, suffer the season ending injury, it's really heartbreaking because if you, if you are aware of what's been going on, I mean, he has just suffered tragedy upon tragedy in his life, you know, over the course of the past 12 months or so, he's lost multiple family members or people close to him, including his father. So, um, 
it's it's the, the it breaks your heart for the guy because he's a genuinely good guy. You see the stuff. I mean, even after he gets hurt, uh, you know, he's tweeting very positive, uplifting things. So you know, that's something that's very very encouraging. He's got a bright future. It remains to be seen. He could probably go into the NFL after even with this injury, still get in there, still get drafted. He certainly could come back. He has the eligibility to do so. Omar Norman Lott is the guy they're looking at it at hopefully replacing him. He's not the guy at the top of the depth chart right now to get there. I believe it's Shannon Foreman, but Norman Lott has looked good, uh, you know, according to the folks that, that go to practice and see that sort of thing. I know Brad is huge, hugely high on him. He was a four-star recruit, so he's somebody that has that sort of caliber to bring in. So, you know, you hope that he's able to put that together. But, um, I mean, that's that's become a big thing. You know, DJ Davidson is – it's weird for a guy who has very good numbers and is massive. Yes. He's like 6'5", 320, 325. For him to be considered like a quiet contributor, but I kind of think so because DJ Davidson, if people are going to rattle off the the key contributors on the Sun Devil defense, you know, it, it, if he's higher than 6th or 7th or 8th on most people's list, I'd be surprised. And and But he's been a productive player. So he's someone that needs to step up. Um, or, or, you know, it's basically a challenge for somebody – who has been a multi-year starter to take on the the brunt of what's left in the, the absence of Lole. Uh, a lot of folks know I'm huge, huge Tyler Johnson guy. Uh, I was, I, I, when he's at the peak of his game, there aren't too many people that can slow him down. I truly believe, I'm not saying he's at Terrell Suggs level, but I'm saying that when he's at the peak of his game, he's the best pass rushing defensive end that ASU has had since Terrell Suggs. I Ooh. emphasize the position because, I emphasize the position because we're talking. If you think about the ones in the last twenty years who have been really good pass rushers, the names that top the list are not necessarily your prototype defensive end. You got Will Sutton, you know, who is more typically uh, you know an interior lineman. Carl Bradford's an outside linebacker. You know, Dexter Davis was very good defensive end. He's one that is there. You know, he he was a very solid player. uh, You know, for for Dennis Erickson there. Marcus Marcus Hardison. Hardison had one good year. Yeah. He had that. He, he got double digit sacks. You know, Antonio Longino was outside linebacker, that sort of thing. So there, there are guys That's that are ahead true. of him now. I mean, he still has to do it. But um, what he did in those four games last year, if you if you multiply that out, you know, you got to be excited about it. Um, and and he's had an interesting road because at the end of the 2019 season, it was believed that he had an injury that was considered career ending and didn't end up being the case. So he came back and just it clicked. So. There are, you know, there are a few guys on the defense, Tyler Johnson, Merlin Robertson, Jack Jones, ones that have very, very high potential, ones we've seen up and down, ups and downs in their time at ASU. If all three of those guys can, it's like, you know, playing a slot machine. Like if you can get all three across the board and add on the other defensive players, it's going to be really special. So those are, he's, he's on that list of ones that I want to see them really max out their potential. It's a money year for all these guys. So. Uh, you got to see it out there. They've got playmakers at every level. I mean, they have two or three guys at D-line. They've got two or three guys at linebacker. That can do different things. They can cover in in the open field. They can rush the passer. Merlin Robinson can do everything, and they've got playmakers at every position in the secondary. There is no excuse for this year's team. And, you know, we don't know what's going to be coming next year for the team. The recruiting has been down uh, because of everything that's been going on. So this is a make it or break it year for a lot of Sun Devil fans, especially considering what happened last year with no Sun Devil football either. And then to get that bombshell going off in the early summer, it just 
took a lot of wind out of the sails. But now that it's game day, I think everybody's pumped. Everybody's ready to go. We're expecting a highly competitive team each and every game. I don't think there's going to be a game like, uh, when was it? Uh, Jaden Daniels' first year at Utah here, right? There's not going to be a game like that where we're just going to go out and throw up an egg. Yeah, freshman center, freshman quarterback, D-line of, of Utah with Stout. I think we're going to be every game. That everybody came back. I mean, they were all primed. I mean, that was almost... They all went to the league. It's like this year's ASU team on Utah where everybody came back to try to make a run. So, yeah. yeah. So we're 100% going to be in every single game, but it all starts and finishes with the man himself, Jaden Daniels. Is he or can he be a first-round talent and a first-round pick in the NFL? I think that he can, um, but I think that he needs some development. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys don't stick around for a ton of time. Um, I'm curious to see if he can get to that level this year. You know, I mean, keeping in mind, the guy can play three more years, including this season. Because of the eligibility freeze. Yep, and yep. He's, technically, he's technically a sophomore. So he can do that. Uh, will he? I'd certainly be surprised if he does. Uh, I, I I truly think that he can develop. I know that a lot of folks have been talking about like his, his footwork and his presence in the pocket has been good. Uh, you know, though last year, obviously the passing numbers were down, but I don't truly fault him for that. Uh, you saw him as a better runner than the previous year. And that's a product of having so many other weapons in the run game to where people are going to be queuing in on, on white and train him, And he's going to have some, some options there. Uh, so he's got some development to do. Um, I know he's still putting on a little bit of weight. He's, he's growing in that regard. He came to ASU just real thin. I mean, it's, he missed the one game due to injury, but he was able to be about as durable as you could expect for a true freshman being pretty mm-hmm. lean. Yep. So, um, I, I, it's really interesting because this year, you know, the, the offense is still going to return a lot next year. You know, we, there's a lot of question marks across the board for, for, you know, the, the program and the, the personnel for next year, the defense is obviously going to be depleted, but the, the offense, you have a lot of the wide receivers who just simply won't be draft eligible and, and would have to really do something Herculean to be in that conversation. So yep. you're probably getting those guys back. You know, the running backs, Chip Trainum's not going to be draft eligible. White possibly could. Uh, I mean, he'd be draft eligible, of course, uh, but neither is Nagatis. So you have a lot of those pieces coming back. The reason I bring that up is it would be one thing if you had like the defense, if the offense were the perfect counterpart to the defense where it's all seniors where, okay, you know, these are every single one of Jaden's weapons. They're going to be gone this year. So he needs to do the best with it. And they get out because you're going to be playing with a bunch of freshmen the next year that are going to dip your numbers and you're going to get crushed in sacks and stuff like that. So um, I think you may need more than this year, but that could be proven wrong as well. I, I guess for the sake of the program, I'd like to see him stick around for more than one year. Um, quarterback recruiting has, I mean, obviously there are question marks in recruiting across the board right now, but quarterback recruiting is who's missed out on some guys. Lately, uh, I know they like who they have, but I think it'd be better for everybody if he stuck around at least one year beyond this year would be my thing. I haven't looked too much as far as like draft board stuff. Like, you know, obviously, you know, you got Howell. I think Rattler's draft eligible, you know, as far as the top end guys this year. I'm not sure, you know, what the others coming down the shoots have. Um, 
but yeah, he, 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 he's got a little bit to go, but I think he can get there. Uh, I saw that he put on some weight. Finally, he put on about 50 to 15 to 20 pounds. Uh, I don't he's know got that pizza deal now. So, you know, you think, <laughs> Hey, shout out to all the college guys finally making a little bit of money on uh, on their name, image, and likeness. That's that's absolutely outstanding that they finally got to be able to do that. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice interesting, man. Experience. It's it's wild that so I mean, uh, that's hey, God bless America. They can get that done, right? But it's interesting how you know some of these companies are taking leaps of faith. You know, you saw that Quinn Ewers, whatever the, the guy who forewent his senior season of high school to enroll at Ohio State, he got like some one point. He got he got a seven figure deal, and the wow. dude just got out of high school. You know, um, the quarterback for Alabama who really hasn't done much. Now, obviously, you can kind of predict that an Alabama quarterback is going to be pretty good, but it's 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 interesting that yeah, these these some of these companies are giving guys a shot. It's going to change. I mean, you can see guys that you know are thinking about coming out, but oh wait, I've got this deal over here. I'm going to stay here for one more year. You know what I mean? I could see that totally being the case, or. If you bomb your pro day or or something like that, I could see guys wanting to come back. Now, of course, with the extra year of eligibility, that's obviously more possible. But there's a lot of questions going on with the name, image, and likeness that people didn't like and having it stay collegiate football versus pro. But come on, man. At the end of the day, your ass should be able to go down to the uh, comic book store or the card store and be able to sign some autographs and make some money off of what you did on the field. So I'm very happy that they actually got that. And I'm still waiting for a full group of offensive linemen to get a collective deal together. Have you seen anything like that yet? Where are the five no, guys getting a deal? Like, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. I think a lot of us were probably bantering about it when the whole thing came out. Like, you know, if you could do it, what would be your thing? Like, I would be so so cheesy with it you know it makes me think of like the scene in wayne's world when they're like you know it's sad that people only do things for money and he's got like the reebok logo from head to toe and drinking pepsi and stuff like that uh yeah i would be real real cheesy with it have a good time with it but yeah the whole offensive is there like i don't know like a, a hog farm or something like that exactly. that needs some spokesman like or some buffet oh, i guess you can't really do buffets anymore which is a damn shame but uh <laughs> you know something like that that place there's a sweet tomatoes right by me love that place they got you know they got shut down it's like it's that's not good um, yeah they got shut down like everywhere. a buffet or something like that how i mean that in this day and age of you know viral videos and stuff like that how huge would that be if you had even if it was some like group of five like louisiana monroe like one of the worst teams in the conference but just some kind of hillbilly thing and hey i i dig that as much as the next guy you know and they're eating food out of a trough or something like whatever just having a good Facts. time wearing Wranglers. yeah oh oh head to toe yeah you know so uh, <laughs> like that would be fun somebody needs to just have a good time with that sort of thing but uh yeah i don't think i've seen a full unit on that i mean obviously that would be quite a bit to kick out as far as the the compensation is concerned but Somebody's got to do it. Like, it can't just be normal business. Somebody's got to have some fun and some creativity with it where you see, like, really cheesy commercials and stuff like that. Like, that that, that would be, like, my my student athlete right there. Go be, go be real cheesy. Make some money with it. I am all on board with that. Uh, tomorrow's game, game number one in two years. I don't count last year at all other than the 70-7 to 7 victory over the uh, team down south. That obviously counted. Nothing else did. Uh, tomorrow's score, any predictions, or do you just think it's going to be a lopsided win? What do you think? So I went with, uh, I think, 55-14 is what I picked on the on the podcast. Uh, 
you know, it's rare in these FCS games for ASU to let up more than 14 points, you know, just kind of cracking down the numbers. Um, you expect it to be pretty high scoring. Now, you've seen some that are closer. Like, I think ASU played the, I'm not sure if it was Sacramento State or whomever it was in Jaden Daniels. I think it was his first game, first or second game. Uh, I know they played Kent State. I can't remember the, if it, which one was first, which one was second. And it was like a 19-7 to 7 game. That's when you have a true freshman quarterback. And that happens in these games. Sometimes it gets a little too close for comfort. You also see that sometimes in ASU plays NAU because they come in, you know, with a chip on their shoulder, which I get. I got, I got nothing against NAU. My sister went there. I, I got no problem with Flagstaff. It's certainly not Tucson. So I, I get that. Sometimes that makes it a little bit chippy in the first quarter kind of thing. When you have a team with this sort of experience and when you have the strengths that ASU has in being able to run the ball and you got a third-year starting quarterback and a, a seasoned defense, it should not take you any time to to get the motor running. Uh, I didn't watch the game, but Southern Utah, you know, they played last week against San Jose State, got ripped apart pretty good by them. San Jose State's, a, you know, the they, they're the, the pretty good team for the group of five level, at least they were last year. Uh, they just don't seem to have – there's outside of a linebacker whose name I will not even try to pronounce. Have you seen the name of this linebacker for Southern Utah? No, I have not. Polynesian name. It's a hyphenated name, and the second of the two names is Davis. Sure. But the first, uh, if you look it up, I mean, I I, I couldn't even try. It's, um, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> if you look up, like, yeah, Southern Utah linebacker, you'll, you'll see it. But he's a highly productive player. They just don't have – because you play these FCS teams, and sometimes they'll have a guy or two. Like, they might have a guy that's just a really good wide receiver for that level, and he can compete, or a running back, or even a quarterback, whatever the case may be. There's just really no individual talent that strikes – any fear into the the hearts of anybody here. So with all due respect to them. So it just has the makings of a game that if ASU executes and doesn't try to sleepwalk through it or try to be too cute, you know, they, you could score 35, 38, 42 points in the first half. And then, you know, the, the first team doesn't even come back out of the locker room after halftime type of thing, you know? So, um, yeah, there's really not too much to develop outside the receivers in the kick game, so they're just there's no reason to expect it to be a slow start. I completely agree. I don't want it to be a 2018 uh, remix where we won 19 to seven, I believe it was, or something low like that. It was 19 to seven at halftime. It just looked really, really poor to start it. I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting a big W tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be rooting and cheering them on from here. I was hoping to go to the BYU game, but with, you know, cases spiking and everything, I'm probably not going to make it to that game. We'll see later uh, down the line against Utah. Uh, Hopefully I can make it to that game. It's been so long since I've been to an ASU game, but Joe Healy, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Where can they find you on Twitter, my man? Joe Healy 42. If you want to follow along, it's... uh... You know, I try to keep things lively and not too terribly serious. You know, I even put that in there. I think, you know, don't take me too seriously here that, you know, Hey, I'm a George Strait guy. I ain't here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, follow along. Let's have a good time. Amen, brother. Thank you so much again. Go ahead. Follow Joe Healy. Speak of the devil's podcast. One of my favorite sun devil podcasts. And, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, buddy. Cheers. Awesome. Awesome. So happy that we got him on here. I want to shout out the chat. Thank you for everybody coming in. Uh, JV, it is good to see you. Uh, Rosie Utah, hello. Thank you for joining. 
uh, Zenith Phoenix. Uh, good to see you as well, too. Obviously, uh, Amit and Jay are in there and, and they're going crazy on the chat. Appreciate you guys. We're going to bring you in a minute. King, what is going on, bro? Roy, good to see you, Roy. I'd love to br uh, bring you on sometime if you ever want to. And then Salty, of course, saw Iverson vlogs. Iverson, of course, is, is one of my favorite people that follow me. So thank you, sir. Um, who else do we got up in here? IRC Music Group. He created the logo. So please go and give him a follow as well, too. But we're going to get into some Cardinals talk. And in order to get into Cardinals talk, we need to uh, change it up just a little bit. We're going to go over to the red here. And we are going to bring in our co-hosts. And I'd like to introduce to everybody, Amit and Jay. Boys, how we doing? Jay, how we doing? Doing all right. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. What's cracking, guys? I'm at Glad welcome. to be live. Yeah, I dig. I dig the shirt. Go. Let me. Let me see the bottom of that shirt. I dig that. This oh, is the yeah, Craig yeah, Hamill. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, Craig, Craig Hamill special. Shout out to him. Absolutely, I love that. Um, man, you guys, it's good to be here. Uh, we've done a lot of you know tests. We've gone through a lot of banter, and the time is here. We're finally live. It's exciting. And then we get a damn bomb dropped on us the other day, you guys. Malcolm yep. Butler just decides to freaking retire, man. Like, out of nowhere. Now, anybody that retires, like, there's something going on there. Like, I get it. It's also a possibility he could come back. So I'm not going to bash on anybody until we actually know if we, did he just quit? Does he have mental health stuff? Jay, you were talking to me a little bit beforehand about an article that you read. Um... Talk to me about that, bro. What, what did you hear about Malcolm Butler? Um, so uh, the article that I have is from uh, Albert uh, Breer. Uh, I've seen his name flowing around. I think he's a writer for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but uh, he said today uh, on, on the Malcolm Butler situation, I don't think uh, this came out of left field for Arizona. Uh, there were rumblings before this uh, that Malcolm Butler couldn't mm. run anymore. Uh, it's not like they haven't been – working hard to try and find solutions. It starts with Brian Murphy as flashed and ability to be elite as a slot corner and more than competent, uh, competent flipping outside veteran Robert Holford can play, but will have to hold up his physicality and really uh, the swing factor will be the rookie Marco Wilson who has yes, flashed sir. in camp. Yes, sir. I heard nothing but good things about Marco Wilson. But Ahmed, when you first heard that news, man, how'd that hit you? So this is what I thought. I go, at some point on the field, we're going to see two rookie cornerbacks at some point, right? Like, I don't know when, but at some point, we're going to see two rookie cornerbacks, take out Tego, Gowan, and Marco. And then in the slot, you're going to see Isaiah Simmons. I think right? so, so too, yeah. second-year player, right? if he's playing corner, whatever his position is, but I'm worried. I'm worried that we're going to see a lot of inexperience in the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to compare it to Brandon will to Brandon Williams a few years back. Was it 2016 opened the season against the Patriots and we got walloped by them. And uh, I mean, we only lost yeah. by one point, not walloped, but he sure did. I mean, Brandon Williams went out there and was like, <laughs> the whole game he just looked like he was lost dude and so i don't think it's like that from what i heard and a couple of the things that i listened to uh marco wilson ain't built like that brandon williams played one year at corner in oklahoma before he got drafted marco wilson has been doing this yo 
This is like what Marco Wilson does. He plays corner. So I don't like that comparison, but I understand it. You know, um, Marco Wilson is going to come in there from day one and get roughed up. It's going to happen. But do you guys think we have the defense surrounding him to be able to maybe not necessarily make up for like a long game, but to be able to make it easier on him? Like the pass rush, can they get there faster? Do we have the players? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. Like the defensive line, inside linebackers, outside linebackers, I'm, I may be biased, but we are stacked in those positions. Like we have depth, we have talent, we have Pro Bowl players at that level. So I think like the comparison I'd be is like, would you rather have Patrick Peterson or would you rather have a rookie out there? The the, the Patrick right. Peterson we saw last year, right? Which was not very good. That that was he was awful. Let's call it like most penalties in the NFL for holding and uh, PI. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I, I I like what we have. I just think we need to add another corner. And let me throw this idea out there because I know Chandler Jones has been my God. If you say, if you if you say Drake Kirkpatrick, I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't have <laughs> I don't have a specific cornerback in mind. I'm just thinking in midseason, there's a potential to make a trade for Chandler Jones for like a quality corner, whether it's um, uh, I had a list. Um, Darius Slay is a potential. Marcus Lattimore who's in the final year of his contract. Yes, please. Or Denzel Ward. I mean, there's potential, right? Yes, please. Yeah, I'll take any of those guys, right? Facts. Absolutely. And we just need somebody else in there. Now, I know that they signed like one or two guys here uh, recently, and uh, maybe one of you guys can look them up. I'm not 100% sure, but I didn't even recognize the name. So it's kind no, of like- the, the, the one of the guys they signed to the practice squad was a he was a third rounder with Philly in 2017. I don't remember his name. I think that was our yeah. championship year, too. But I mean, if he didn't, if he can't hang on to a team as a third rounder um, on a championship team, then yeah. what value does he really bring us? Yeah. Exactly. My my thing is, if we have a D-line that can get to that quarterback in three seconds, I don't know if it's really going to matter too much. Because then, as you say, we got an Isaiah Simmons that can go out there and cover any tight end, probably any running back, maybe a receiver here. I mean, I wouldn't want to trust him on a slot receiver. Right. But J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, uh, Jordan Phillips, and then you got Rashard Lawrence, and uh, I'm missing I'm missing the uh, the dude from Utah that's coming in. But we have a special defensive line finally. And that's where I think our strength is going to be. But we have Buddha Baker as well, too. The ultimate yep. X factor. Jay, talk to me about Buddha and talk to me about our defensive line. What are you thinking this year is going to have entail for him? Uh, just to go off what Ahmed said, uh, he put it, uh, he put it perfectly. Uh, I think uh, his thoughts are every Cardinals fans thoughts right now. Uh, I think our pass rush is stacked and uh, we shouldn't, be having any like weaknesses there uh, as long as everybody's healthy. I am worried about the corner positions and uh, just um, yeah, like I'm not worried about uh, our pass rush at all uh, with Buddha Baker. Uh, he's getting better uh, every year. As far as I can tell, he's getting smarter. Same thing with Isaiah S- uh, Simmons last year. Uh, he was, he looked lost out there and what I've been seeing, uh, from him recently and what I've read from camp, he looks a lot more alert. He knows what's going on and, and so forth. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm confident in our pass rush. And the only thing I'm worried about is our corners. 
uh, especially with going against teams uh, like uh, e even the Vikings, you know, week one, you know, they have some receivers uh, that can uh, are very good at route you mean, running. You mean so. Titans? Oh, yeah, Titans. Titans, my fault. Um, but Julio, Julio's <laughs> been out, and uh, A.J. Brown's been kind of banged up too, so not really 100% sure what to expect from them. I we're gonna we're gonna talk more on Sunday about the Cardinals and, and we can kind of give some season predictions there. Um, man, I'm not. And vlogs just ask, "What's your record predictions?" Shit, man. To be honest with you, with Cliff Kingsbury and when we all talked earlier, I think we're kind of in agreement. Like, if we go nine and eight, I would be happy. Yeah, Zenith. Nobody trusts Kingsbury, man. I think that's what this whole season comes down to: is Cliff King Kingsbury. Don't forget, this is the dude that when the season was on the line to make the playoffs and a hurt Kyler Murray, third and long, third and 18, third and 22, whatever it was, dude calls a play to have his quarterback run, a draw play. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And this year, though, guys, he's actually going to have three quarterbacks on the roster instead of two. So, I mean, I guess he learned that mistake. But Cliff Kingsbury is the problem. If we lose, it will be because of him and his decisions. If we win, I I bet you it's, it's going to be because of Kyler. It's going to be because of Kyler and Matt Prater hitting a 57-yard yeah. effing field goal, too. You know what I mean? Facts. Yeah. Uh, I don't trust him. I trust our defense more, and Cliff Kingsbury is supposed to run the offense. So it's frustrating. Like, I'm excited. Like, football's here. Like, I'm way excited. I can't wait to watch them. They could go in there, and they could beat the brakes off of Tennessee. Who knows? But I don't trust him. Jay, do you trust him? Ahmed, do you trust him? No. I don't, I don't trust Cliff at all. Why? No. Especially, especially after his comments uh, today about, uh, um, about um, Malcolm Butler, too. He sounds just as unsure. And uh, uh, just, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely concerning. He does, it seems like he doesn't know what's even going on. With well, he him. said they were going to add another corner. I think he did yeah. say that. They were going to add another corner, right? They, but they, I'm like, a, they have a roster spot open. It's at 52 right now. Yeah. But I'm not – I mean, I'm, he, he's not going to add the corner. Steve Kimes going to add the corner, right? So I'm not worried about what he thinks about the defense. I'm worried about his play calling on the offense and special teams. That's where I'm like, can you make – and I, I said this before, like when we, when we were chatting before. I think he's gotten better with his decision-making, but is it at the level where we can trust him, right? Like where it's like – you know, like, I don't know, like he just, his, his, his decision-making, especially on special teams. I'm just like, what are you doing, bro? And we have a good kicker now, so it should be better. Right. In theory, he should yeah. have a little bit more confidence. Yep. Right. In theory. I mean, once you put in on the theory. Arizona Cardinals Jersey and you're a kicker there, things happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Very true. Um, but I think like, I, I, I honestly think that, Kyler is the whole thing that moves this whole thing around. I mean, if he gets the ball in the last two minutes and he just gets to like not have to worry about Kingsbury calling the plays and he's just going in a two-minute offense, as long as we have the ball last, I think we're going to be in a really good position to win the game. Um, but and, and most games now in the NFL come down to the last position. That's just how it works now um, with the way that the offenses are. But – and the defense looks strong, right? Like, I mean, we're all – we're yeah. worried about corner, but we're looking at the defense. And we're, we got Buda Baker back there. We got a heat-seeking missile in the safety position. So, I mean, the, I think they're going to be close. I think the games are going to be close. 
Albert E., thank you for joining. Uh, he said, so Cliff is a second coming of Norv Turner. Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. That's exactly what it is. And I'm not looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching Kyler, watching the boys get out there and play actual football. I'm not looking forward to that. Um, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, His yeah, was for yesterday. sure. Uh, I, I, named, I named my cat in college Fitz. And I know that a lot of other people named their pets Fitz. He's been an icon for Valley sports, especially in the low times. I mean, he came in an 03 when all of our teams sucked. Uh, next year, the Suns got good. But then he's just been the mainstay for so long. I mean, you can't say enough about what he did for the franchise. Number two in receptions. I'm, I'm pre- he's up there in yards. That 2009 Super Bowl run was the most incredible thing I've ever watched in sports. He just murked everybody. And he doesn't have the desire to play. And that pisses me off because I wanted him to go out in style, go out with fans, and have like his own little farewell tour. But he, I guess he's not that guy. And that's okay. I mean, that's exactly who we thought that Larry Fitzgerald was. But Ahmed, I want to start with you. What does Larry Fitzgerald mean not being on this team? I mean, is it fine or is it just because it's Larry Fitzgerald and we want him? Because he really wasn't putting up the production the last few years, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like the whole Nash thing, right? Um, yeah. Because Nash, we were making the playoffs and we had this incredible talent and he was still just doing things that nobody else could do with the ball, right? And Fitz is the same way. He may not be as quick. He's not going to get the receptions. He's playing in the slot. But he still makes those third down catches where you just go like I watch it and I'm like I tell people, and I you know I'm, fuck it I'm biased right but he's better than Jerry Rice in my opinion, like I don't see people making the catches that he makes on third down. I agree with that. On third down on clutch plays, you have it in the intro. I mean, he never makes runs like that. When there you go. Um, I need one more to get on fire. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I think Fitz is, it's funny. Cause remember, um, Monty said about Landry Shamit. He's like, if, uh, he could marry my daughter. So he said, I forget exactly what he said. Something like that. My daughter's only three. Right. He's not marrying my daughter, but if there's a guy like Fitz, if his son, whatever, whoever can clone him, that's the type of person you want to be part of your franchise, part of your, your, your leadership group as an organization. Cause he owns the sons now as somebody just in your life. Yes. I think he means a lot to everybody. I mean, I know every time he catches a pass, and I remember Bruce Arians used to do this, he would make sure the first throw went to Fitz because it would get the crowd fucking going when he would Larry, make that first game. Larry, right? Larry. And I just think that, like, I mean, it, we're moving into a new era. I, t- I was talking about Nash and how it's like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's, it's, we like it, but we're not making the playoffs anymore. We're not in the Western Conference Finals. Maybe it's time for a change. And the fact that you're able to replace him yeah. with a guy that's almost like his duplicate, the clone, right? Nuke. I mean, that that makes it a lot easier to be like, okay, you know, it, it's okay to say goodbye to Fitz. But I'll say this. If this team has a trajectory for the playoffs, I think he's going to come back. I would love to see that. And unfortunately, I think his 
current street game or games played in a row is going to come into an end. But Jay, uh, you've got a Larry Fitzgerald jersey. I've got one. I mean, I got he, one. I got two. See, everybody not hanging. I'm naked back here without jerseys, but I have. <laughs> everybody that's a Cardinals fan has a Larry jersey, man. Whether it's the black one, the white one, the red one, some people got two. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald not being on the team is it just more of we miss him for you, Jay, and or is it more of like we actually need his production? What do you think? Uh, it's a little bit of everything. Um, I, I want to tell a quick story about uh, just our 2015 run. Um, when we were going against the Packers and, you know, the last final two plays, I li- uh, at the time I lived very close to the stadium. I have never heard such loud chants before in my life, uh, yelling Larry from, from 10, 15 miles away. Like it was – it was louder than fireworks on 4th of July out here, you know, and, and it like, it's just like what Larry's done for just Arizona is incredible. You know, us fans, you know, we've been blessed to have such an amazing athlete and, you know, like Larry's just an icon, like whatever, whatever decision he makes, like he's going to have to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Like he's put in his time. He's, he's been loyal. He's been, he stayed out of controversy. He has an amazing story how he even got into the league. Um, of, of course, I'd love to see him, but I think what started was how Bruce Arians had him in, in the system, just him being the slot, him only getting yeah. five to six touches a night. I think that really killed his his drive, and I think Cliff wants to use idolize him more. I, uh, But personally, I think Larry doesn't really trust Cliff like that, but hopefully – uh, hopefully we can utilize Larry maybe after three games, probably a decision, but whatever decision he makes, I'm happy with. He's putting his time and uh, I couldn't say anything more. I, I remember watching that game. That's that's in the intro and I'll play it again going out so everybody can see it. If you're not sure what we're talking about. Um, I watched it with my uh, fiance girlfriend at the time and then her cousin, they're not big Cardinals fans, and even they were getting up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Go, go, go. Everybody was freaking out. Uh, JV's comment right here. I remember watching the Cards-Packers game in a hotel room with his buddies. Uh, got, like, five noise complaints that night, watching to the end of the game. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite games I've ever watched. Absolutely. I mean, game kicked out. <laughs> that, the only other game that was better was when we beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game for me or – perhaps uh what year was it 1998 when jake the snake came in and we beat the cowboys i think that might have been at the beginning of 99 because the season that was 99 that should have been a blow up that should have been a shutout we we won 20 to 7 we gave him a touchdown the last two minutes but that for in my mind that's always been 20 to nothing that game that was one of my favorite games of all time. And then followed up by getting just trounced by the Vikings the next game. But that that Cowboys game, the Packers game that we just mentioned, and then the Eagles game, the, those are, are my favorite Cardinals moments. And Larry was a part of two of them. And then who can forget Larry's run in the Super Bowl, right? We're not going to talk about what happened next. But yeah, so we're all a little, uh, yeah, Salty said it best, Cliff the Fraud. We're excited, but we're not excited. Like the the very first three plays, we can script out right now. Run the ball up the middle, screen pass, a short, I don't know, slant pass for six yards, three and out, kick the ball back, right? 
That's what's going to freaking happen. And that's what we see with Cliff all the damn time. So we're going to get a, get on. Uh, we're going to talk about it more on Sunday. Uh, we're going to try to bring in Salty. I think Darth Voida wants to come in too. So that'll be wonderful to have John uh, join us. We need to talk a little uh, sun stuff now. Um, I'm excited about the coming year, especially after what we all just went through, uh, going through the finals and everything. But I have one question that we need to answer right now, and that's it right there. Jay, I want to start with you. Are the Phoenix Suns a 60-win team going into next year? I believe so. Um, like, uh, what was our record uh, uh, this last season? 51 and 21. 51 and 20. So, like, with the additions of JaVale and Shamit, uh, and then uh, Peyton actually played pretty decent this uh, this last year. Um, I think we definitely have the talent for her, and we definitely approved. Yeah, we uh, had to let Javon Carter go, but we did approve uh, on our secondary. So, um, like, I, I do believe maybe 58, 57, but 60, I, I can see it. Amit? 58 to 60 if we don't have any serious injuries. This, the team is the team got better. We have continuity. We'll see what the internal growth is. I mean, the really, it's like Bridges and Aiden. If Bridges be, is able to play make or is able to, you know, be a mid-range god like these other guys are, or even if he's just competent, right, in the mid-range, that right. opens up a whole other thing because we don't have a third playmaker. Um, and if Aiden starts dribbling from the three-point line to the rim, then, yeah, things – I mean, it, you, there, there's just so many variables with this team, and that's what made them – that 51 win team is that they could win so many ways. The defense was always solid. It was okay. Maybe Jay Crowder hits eight threes. Maybe Chris Paul has 30 points. Maybe Booker goes for 40. Maybe, you know, you get a combination of Mikhail Bridges having 25 and, and Cam Johnson having 15 and that wins you a game. I mean, they're so deep. They've gotten better with Shamit because now you have somebody that you can play regularly, which we couldn't do with Javon Carter. Um, I think we're going to miss some of the. Uh, we're going to miss Sarge for sure. That's going to be a huge loss. Um, I agree. I, you know, and 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 I know there's some rumblings about a couple trades or a couple buyouts that we've heard about. Um, whether it's Thaddeus Young or whether it's a buyout with uh, with uh, Kevin Love, right? Oh no, God! Don't say Kevin Love to me, Jesus H. Um, As I a fifteenth saw- guy, fifteenth guy. I don't want a I saw 15th that, uh, guy. We need, we need a top nine guy. I don't want a 15th guy. If we want to get true. a 15th guy, give me back Tyshawn Alexander. I don't want a 15th guy, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true, actually. But, I mean, regardless, I feel good about this team. NBA.com ranked them number one in the West. Everybody else is ranking the Lakers and putting the Suns either a two or three, which is like makes no sense to me at all because this team went to the finals and they just stomped everybody. So, I don't know. I don't know. The Arizona disrespect. <laughs> Always. Always. I mean, excuse me, we were ranked number one in the power rankings coming out. And I honestly, even during the Nash years, it was rare that we were actually ranked number one. Nobody believed in us. So it scares me being up there. I know diehard sports, Arizona sports fans will understand that when we're ranked high, bad things happen. When we're underrated, good things happen. But I mean, you got to turn the tide at some point. As Joe Healy said in our last uh, segment, you got to exercise the demons. And this is a team that can do it. They play the type of brand of basketball that can beat teams night in, night out. Now, 
I'm not 100% sure we can win 60 games because of things like COVID going on. Guys could be sitting out. I think Chris Paul is going to be sitting a few games. Who knows if he's ready to start the season? We really don't know. So I'm really happy we got Alfred Payton coming in. We're going to make another move for that backup power forward. Please be Thad Young. I do not want to talk about uh, Kevin Love. I wanted him back in like 2014 or something. Me and Salty were talking about him then. I don't think he's going to be the answer for us. But if he comes in, like, sure, let's see what he can do. Different system coming off of the bench. Look at look at um, uh, Blake Griffin. Like, this guy was dead. And all of a sudden, he's, like, hammering on people in the playoffs. Yeah. And yeah, playing I, a role. I under I can right? I can okay I can see that I can see him not giving a damn in Cleveland for the past two years and then coming in with fresh legs and doing something. I just don't know if we can quite get over fifty five wins because you know of everything that I just discussed. But also teams are going to be gunning for us now. You know they're not going to go easy when they play us, and they're actually going to go hard. So I just think there's going to be some give and take there. I think we're going to be resting guys, as I said. I think fifty five and over under a fifty four and a half for me. Um, I would probably even lean towards the under I could see 52 to 54 and I hope I'm wrong I would love them to come out guns a blazing again and you know get a two or three seed we saw how important the top one of the top seeds is right I'd love to get home court advantage um I just don't 100% see it but I don't think it's out of, I mean we're discussing the difference between 55 wins and 60 wins like what the hell two, two years ago <laughs> yeah. three years ago yeah. we get the number one pick and this is what we're talking about like this is incredible to me uh Jay, I'm glad you brought up Landry Shamit. I heard Flex on Suns Jam session a few nights ago say that they are going, or Shamit is going to get a couple games where he's going to get 30 points, uh, average 30 points. I'm excited about that. I can 100% see a realm where Landry Shamit comes out and he just bombs 33. Then he just goes and gets 36. I mean, this is the guy that shot over 40% on catch and shoot threes and over 45% from corner threes. Like, sign me up all the damn way. Let's go have some shooting practices with uh, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and Landry Shamit over in the corner. Like, I'm all about Landry Shamit. And at one point in the league, you guys, he led the league in deflections. Isn't that what our defense was built on? Isn't that why we valued Kelly Oubre probably a little bit higher than other teams did, was specifically for deflections? Yeah. I mean, and, and you got to go back and look at his um, rookie season. I think that was his rookie season when they went to the playoffs. I think he had a game winner. Like, he is built for this. Like, he's a guy that's – he's ready. He's one of, those, one of those guys that's ready. But real quick, Zenith Phoenix in the chat said, what are you willing to give up for Thad Young? Dario and Sticks. That's about and it. I think Maybe it's a second, second rounder. Pick. I mean, yeah, yeah, we, don't, yeah. We, don't need a, we don't need a second round pick with where we're at right now. So I'd be down with that. Yeah, I think that's what the the conventional trade is. I don't think there's anything else you could do. Sarge isn't going to give us anything next year, this year. Right? And then like he's, he's going into a contract fight. year, so we could lose him after that. And he's an expiring for for the Spurs, right? So that helps them do some other things. I mean, you give up on Sticks. Realistically, do we think Sticks is going to play this year? I saw some good things. I did see some good things and I was I was excited about what I saw. I really did. Um there's a lot of defense and a lot of rebounding if we have JaVale McGee and Sticks together. I'm excited yeah. about that prospect of it and I think things could come around. 
but we really don't know, man, because that's against Summer League, and and it's not like he was lighting it up in Summer League either. So, I mean, yeah, Roy, I agree. Sticks can play. Um, we just don't know how much. But, I mean, a roll for 12 to 15 minutes, I could see that. But, honestly, I'd rather get Thad Young in here. I'd love to get a proven veteran that can go out there, and we could he could start at the small ball five. I don't know if yep. Sticks can, but also... I feel like with sticks, we're taking a round peg and trying to put it into a square hole. He's not a pop and shoot guy. He's not that four. He he was a center. He was the only big guy for Maryland. I mean, we none of us really watched a whole lot of Maryland games. But that's my problem with sticks. Uh, Jay, what do you think? Um, uh, just to piggyback off what you said, um, I, I like what I saw from sticks in the summer league. Um, but he does get a little too comfortable with the shot when uh, he's not getting the looks from the inside. Uh, but we didn't give him a chance last year, and rightfully so. Obviously, like whatever Monty was doing, it worked uh, with us getting to the finals. But um, if we had to make a push for Thad Young right now, I would I would trade Sticks and Dario and whatever picks. They, they can take the next two picks. I don't care. But oh, Thad Young, we know what he's capable of. And I would love to have him on the team. 20 minutes of him like, will fill that void that uh, Tory Craig uh, left and uh, take some uh, heat off of uh, uh, Aiden for sure. Back. And Iverson blog, blog says he's an underrated playmaker. I agree with that. I think that there had a lot of stuff. And what you said, Coach Evan, we can, we can upgrade the top nine players by bringing that young. If you bring in, if you keep, if you stay with Jalen Smith, you're not upgrading your top nine players unless he has a completely breakout season and we can trust him in his second year in the Western Conference Finals to guard, you know, AD or LeBron. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Right there. That's that's what it is right there. Yeah. Yeah. And and what Salty said earlier, I do agree with. We do need home court advantage. Um, I think we can maybe get away with a three seed or something like that. But I mean... I can't wait for a few weeks from now until we go through an NBA. You know, we'll, we'll rank out the West. We'll rank out the East teams. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I think some things are going to happen before then. Hopefully, we don't wait till sometime in February to use the mid-level exception. I would hate that. I really want to get a team on the ground now and go, you know, all guns ablaze and moving forward from day one. But that I trust Flex. I don't know if y'all follow Flex. Anybody in the chat follows Flex. Make sure you go follow Flex from Jersey. Uh, he thinks it's probably going to end up that way where it's going to be later in the year and they're just kind of waiting on San Antonio's bluff. Um, yes, Roy, I do like the Nader resign just because of where he is on the depth chart. He's low there. You know, he's a guy that can come in if McHale needs a night off or Bridges needs a night off or uh, Cam Johnson, excuse me. I do like that signing. And I thought he gave us great energy last year. I mean, Monty showed, showed some balls wanting to play him what was it, game five or game six? Maybe it was game four. Uh, yeah, he brought a Nader just out of nowhere. So I do like the Nader signing. Who doesn't love having Frank the Tank back, right? Um, Zena just said it's probably going to be Thad Young uh, through trade and Kevin Love through buyout. Yeah, that's exactly correct. So yep. a few questions there. We're not 100% sure. Um, what else do you guys got for some Sun stuff? You guys hear anything recently or what's up? Well, I just think... So we haven't seen where these extensions are coming yet for Aiton and Bridges. I mean, I think the team friendly, the best way to build this team is if we get Aiton at four years, 100 and Bridges at four years, 80. 
Um, Bridges isn't a max guy, but Aiden has the potential to be a max guy. Um, that's that that would be the ideal situation because at that point they'd be both in their prime when they hit the market for a max deal. Um, I, I have a feeling we're going to overpay for both of them, but and that's going to hurt us in the long run because we're going to end up losing Cam Johnson or somebody else because of that. But um, I mean, th- that th- what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I was really thinking about that today. Um, I don't know. What what do you think, Jay? I'll, I'll go in a minute. Um, I say the hundred million for Aiden is uh, uh, correct. Um, like I think he deserves it. With Bridges, uh, I might come down to maybe 75, 70 for uh, for a three. Uh, but um, you know, like I just need more out of Bridges. Like he was wildly inconsistent. Aiden showed that he can show up when he needs to be. Yeah. And and that was the thing that uh, like it was vice versa with uh with bridges uh, the other way around, you know? So um, definitely the money's going to be spread out. Uh, bridges is going to get that, that payout, but um, like, you know, he just needs to uh, show out next year. And I believe uh, Cam Johnson is going to have a breakout year. Yeah. Uh, yeah so he's going to be amazing in all areas. And then he's going to have to, he's going to have to get paid and it's a good problem to have, but, you know, you can't pay everybody. Hopefully with the way that Chris Paul deal was structured, maybe by then you can trade him in two years. Maybe he'll retire. Maybe you can re-sign for another three-year deal after that, even play till in his 40s, but, you know, at a cheaper rate. Book's going to need one soon. He's going to need his extension coming up as well, too. So you can't pay everybody. And unfortunately for Aiden, you're not paying him for what he is. You're going to be paying him on potential. Yep. And that's the thing that's really gonna gonna get it. I'm I'm curious to see what the uh the max is gonna be for rookie deals going into next year. Um I know that there's a cap that you can do it. I wanna say it was like a I mean, dude, whatever. Trey Young just made two hundred and seven mil. What are we what well, did are we you guys see about? Capella's deal? Capella got a two year deal today for forty six. So he's that. a good comp for Aiden, Shit. right? Yeah. So that tells you the market. He's going to be, I think, I think, I mean, he's going to be in the $25, $30 million range. Yeah. Everybody's going to need to get paid. We don't know what's going to go yeah. on. Um, Roy, um, I, I liked Craig. He did a lot of good things, but man, I just felt like when push came to shove in the finals, dude didn't show up. In game six against, the, uh, against Paul George, he clamped him, dude. We won game six. Because yep. he shut down Paul George and he was like nowhere to be found in the playoffs except for a dunk here and a dunk there, you know what I mean? Or in the finals. So I miss him. And if he would have played better and played more consistent, I bet you they would have brought him back. But maybe Thad Young is going to be a better fit for them. You know what I mean? I hope so. Salty's right. Too many dudes trying to get paid and it's a good problem to have. That means, you know what? James Jones is picking correctly. Maybe Steve yep. Kimes should go hang out with James Jones a little bit. <laughs> yeah, five-year, 125, that is my inkling as well, too. That That's almost exactly what I was thinking, and that's probably what it's going to be. So there's going to be a trickle-down effect. We're lucky that campaign signed on that, what, three-year, $18, 19000000 million deal. Um, my favorite signing. Yo, Sweet absolutely. Uh, go follow David Kevin. If you guys don't follow him, that man is a genius when it comes to the salary caps and how everything is going down. Uh, Landry Shamit, he's a young guy. He's 24. He's going to need to get paid too. 
Uh, JaVale McGee is going to be real nice. I'm really excited about JaVale McGee. Uh, guys, thank you for uh, coming in and taking the time to tune in. Salty, as always, we really appreciate you. Vlogs, Shervin and Roy, Zenith, uh, Albert was in here, and Rosie Utah, of course. Thank you so much. Um, everybody else that came in. Um, let's uh, let's keep the the negative stuff out of here and let's just stick to sports i know things went on in the past that just you know need to be remained there it's nothing but love for everybody that helped me pave my way so appreciate that so let's just leave that out there i've gotten three thumbs down on on youtube already so that means i'm doing something right you know if you get your thumbs down you are doing something right but we got arizona state football tomorrow I cannot be more excited. I'm trying to get you on this train, Amit. Come to, come to the Herm train, dog. Come on, man. You know, I just – I grew up in Tempe, and it's just hard for me to root for that team. I, I was a fan back when Plummer was there. I mean, it was – but, you know, I just – I don't know, man. College football is so – it's so hard to, hard to figure out. I mean, it's just – with NFL and everything else is just like another thing to watch. So I do watch oh, the big games, you know. me. Hey man, I, I, I need to see, I need to see Arizona State like win the conference, man. Like win the conference. We all need to see that. We all need to see that. But it's exactly what Joe Healy said: exercise the damn demons. Shit, just go out yeah. there and play hard. And this team has the potential to do it. I'm no cap, no cap at all. This is the most talented Arizona State team that I can remember. And I'm not bringing up the 1996 team because, I mean, I was like 9 or 10 or something at the time, and I really didn't know what was going on. No cap. This team is going to be incredible. We have two running backs that can rush over 1,000 yards in a season. Yes, Salty, two killers. All seniors on that offensive line. I think we actually got one junior. Nothing but returning players all the way around, top to bottom except for uh, Frank Darby, who is going to kill it, by the way, for the Falcons. So shout out to him, too. Um, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much joining He's on Fire podcast. Uh, Amit, where can they find you on Twitter, dog? At Sustainable Amit. Um, but I'm not actually looking for follows. You guys can follow me, but you're going to see a lot about climate change and then a lot about the suns. Uh, but... There you go. Evan, I just wanted to give you props, man, for putting this together. Thank you. Um, thanks for pulling this together, doing all the work. I mean, we just get to come over here and talk our shit, but I know you're doing the heavy lifting and appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun uh, getting to know you guys, too. Uh, Jay, where, we, where can we find you on Twitter, dog? Um, in the parentheses of my name, uh, Jay Joyce, uh, that's my Twitter. Uh, you can see everything there. Uh, I'm a, I love rap music and movies and I get my insight with a bunch of that along with uh, Arizona sports. And I want to thank, uh, you know, coach, uh, been a fan of you for a while and, you know, I love the stuff that you have to say and uh, thank you for putting all this together and hope, uh, I hope this goes a distance with everything. Me too. Me too. Thank you. Thank you everybody that came out. I appreciate you guys. We're going to leave the past where it is, uh, but we're going to be, you guys are more than welcome to join if you watch the game. Everybody's got their own lives and kids going on. But I'm going to be here with Jedi ASU tomorrow, post-game, about 15 to 20 minutes after the game. We'll see what it ends up. But we're going to be here post-game after every single Arizona State game. Jedi ASU joining tomorrow. It is going to be a fun pod. College football is back.
and I just can't wait. You guys, thank you for tuning in. We're going to get out of here. We're going to bring this back up a little bit. Enjoy it. He's on Fire Podcast. First episode in the books. Tune in tomorrow, y'all. Peace.